You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. So we are almost to the end of our series, The Story of Salvation. And we began back with the atonement. It's that Mark in time that Jesus went to the cross and took the sins upon, upon the world upon his shoulders as if they were his own, and he paid the penalty. He satisfied God's wrath, and we refer to that as the atonement. And then it's the process of then how does that get applied to those that, that will believe? And it begins with calling in that we saw that no one would ever come to God on their own. That God had to be the one to initiate the call for those to receive it. Then it happens is what's called regeneration. The new birth. The turning the heart of stone into the heart of flesh. And we saw that especially with Nicodemus. Then it's that idea that we saw last week, conversion. In fact, in the process, it's the the first time we see God does all these. God does the atonement. He does the calling. He does regeneration. And then we see the partnership between God and man with conversion. And it had two elements. That there is no conversion without these two things. It was faith and repentance. And then it begins justification. That moment where a person is declared righteous or just in God's eyes. And so this morning, we are going to focus in on this word, sanctification. The next week will be closed out with glorification. And so sanctification is this process that is often referred to as becoming more like Christ. But I begin with talking about traveling. You know, you can learn a lot about people when you travel with them. If you've ever traveled with anybody, family or friends, (coughs) it can be trying at times because you learn things about them that you maybe not, did not know before. In fact, the group that's in Seattle, I promise you, they have learned some things about each other, maybe some things they didn't want to know, but they have learned things about each other. Because when you travel... Now, there are two ways you can approach travel, and I'm going to share my shame this morning. I know I approach travel wrong, and it often comes out in really, really bad ways. <clears throat> so the two ways you can approach travel. One, we'll pick, we're going to travel, we're going to go somewhere. Some of you, you might say the mountains, some of you the beach. You're going to go on this trip. When does the fun, excitement, the uh, relaxation start? Does it start when you get there or when you depart or when you leave? And I'll tell you, I've always been one that says, no, it's not until you get there. And that struck a chord first hour. There are some that were right there with me. But I need you to know we're wrong, okay? Because I'll tell you why in just a moment. But... The fun starts when you get there. It's not about getting there. It's when you arrive. That's when you can relax. That's when the fun, the enjoyment starts. And I'm realizing that is wrong, and my wife is right. I know it's being recorded, so she'll hear that, but that doesn't surprise you that she's often right, and I'm often the one that is in the wrong. Because here's how it usually goes. We'll pick, say we're going to depart at 6 o'clock. 6 a.m. in the morning, we're going to depart, and I know what my wife's thinking. Why in the world did we leave for Florida at 3.30 a.m.? Once again, that was too early. I was wrong once again. So we'll say now 6 o'clock seems like a reasonable time. But in my mind, here's what's happening. It's 5.30, and I'm already stressed out that we're not going to leave on time. 
And then I start getting loud and I start yelling at everybody to hurry up because we're not going to leave on time. Then we're going to be late and nothing's going to be right because it's all about it doesn't start until we get there. And I've lost my patience. I'm in a bad mood. There's a fight that happens. And that's usually how it goes. Because I look at things, it's not until you get to the destination when you can relax, the fun, the enjoyment starts. Marla would tell me, no, it can all be about when you leave. Because she sees it, it's about the journey, not about the destination. That it really is enjoying the time from when you leave to where you're going to go, and you never know what might happen, how things are going to go. Yes, there might be traffic, or, man, you might get a big tailwind, and you might make it on time, or even early. But it's more about the journey, not just about the destination. And that has a lot to do with this process that we call sanctification. We're going to see it this morning. But I said that sanctification would often be defined as this process of a person becoming more like Christ. In fact, it's scriptural. You see it in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. And then we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 5 for the passage this morning. So just let me read this for us. Because this is how it says that something we get to look forward to. 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now. That is a reality for a person that has been called, regenerated, been converted, and is justified. They are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, meaning there's a future reality that is coming. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He truly is. I mean, just allow that truth to set in for just a moment, that when we see Jesus face to face, we are going to be like Him. For those that are believers, that are justified. Meaning, we'll be completely trustworthy. Perfectly loving. Joy-filled all the time. Humble. Containing every single good fruit. That for all those entrusting in Jesus Christ, that is the reality we get to look forward to. I mean, imagine a day, a moment, when you yourself will never have another impure thought. Never worry about money. Never struggling with self-image or insecurities. You'll never be harsh or short-tempered. You'll never struggle with selfishness or materialism, pride, greed, or envy. And much, much more. That's what we get to look forward to one day. And one day that will be absolutely true. It will be complete. But now that we're in the process of seeing that happen. So one day sanctification, your sanctification, mine, it will be absolutely complete. But scripture tells us that we're not there yet. It's an ongoing process. And so we're going to look at the approach, the, the process of sanctification. And in fact, we need to see this about ourselves and, and all those around us, that, that sanctification is a journey. It's not about just a destination. In fact, that's why I use the kind of the idea of trips, that we need to see sanctification as a joy-filled journey, not just trying to achieve this destination, because you will only experience frustration and discouragement. So here's the big idea for this morning. The key to sanctification is the direction you are heading, not the distance you've traveled or the place 
you have reached. It's all about the direction you're heading. And we're going to see it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. We're going to look at three verses there. I said last week that 1 Thessalonians 1 is a great example of looking at conversion. It has the process, it's got faith, it has repentance, it's got it all included. Well, in chapter 5, it is a great example, a great truth about the process of sanctification. Paul writes this letter, and at the end of it, it's part of his benediction, it's a prayer. And he's writing it to the Thessalonians, and he gives them what I would call the the foundation, the building blocks of a church that is going to be healthy and thriving. And real quick, here's what he would tell us. One, he says respect for leaders that God puts in place. If a church is going to be healthy, if it's going to be growing, that needs to be there. The second thing he tells us is a great, a deep care for others. A church that doesn't do that well will never be a church that is healthy. Then he says we should pray, rejoice, and to give thanks. In fact, he says always, without ceasing. Those are foundations that a church must have. But the last mark is about sanctification. What we need to understand, what we need to know. So I want to read verses 22 through 24, and then we'll unpack them this morning. So he's writing this, he's written this prayer down, and he wants this to encourage them. And he says, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who calls you as faithful, He will surely do it. So here's how he's going to begin. He begins talking of sanctification. And his first encouragement, in fact, it's not an encouragement. His first imperative, his first command, is to abstain from every form of evil. And if that is all Paul's going to say, he, all he's done is set everyone up for discouragement and despair. Because we know that's often not the reality. If the command is, hey, just stop sinning, well, that's not going to bring much encouragement. That isn't much help. In fact, if you've ever followed the career of Bob Newhart, probably the greatest thing I've ever seen on television. Bob Newhart, uh, many of you kids don't even know who he is anymore. Uh, he was he posing as a counselor. And a lady walks in, and she's got this great fear. And he tells her, he says, uh, well, this is how it goes. It's $5 for the first five minutes. Every minute after that's free, and I don't make change. And so she shares with him her fear. She says, I've got this fear. It's paralyzing. I can't get on with life. And he says, okay, what is it? She says, I'm afraid of being buried alive in a box. He says, okay. He says, I can't do anything. I can't go out. I, I, I can't work. I can't do anything. And he says, okay, I've got the solution. He says, I've got two words for you. She said, okay, do I need to write these down? He says, well, most people can remember, but if you need to, go ahead. And he looks at her and he says, stop it. And that's it. So if Paul leans in, he says, hey, just stop sinning. I mean, think of it. That's not helpful. All that's going to do is discourage you and bring you despair. At least it does for me. If that's all it's about, because I know it doesn't matter how much I love Jesus If I spend time in His Word and pray and serve His church, I'm never going to be able to abstain 
from all forms of evil. I may have some victories along the way, but I'm never going to be able to achieve that. So what he does, he follows this up with three major encouragements for the believers in Thessalonians. In fact, I believe it's even for us today. And so the command was to just stop sinning. So then he gives three encouragements in the forms of a prayer benediction. And it begins in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. So the first thing he wants them to know is sanctification It's not just up to you. If it was up to you, if it was up to me, we would fail miserably. That sanctification is the work of God in us. And that is the first thing that Paul wants them to know is that the God of peace himself sanctify you. In fact, everything about salvation begins with God doesn't begin with us. It wasn't an idea we came up with. It wasn't us begging. It wasn't us regenerating ourselves. It was all about God moving in the lives of people. Even in sanctification, it's God's work in us. Notice Paul doesn't say, God, would you aid them as they sanctify themselves? He says, Lord, would you sanctify them entirely? He's praying that God would work to make the Thessalonians sanctified and holy, even beginning now. You know what, Paul? He's not saying, well, then you just get to sit back and enjoy the ride because God is going to be the one. He's going to take the wheel and do all the work. No, he's saying that sanctification is God's work in us. And he wants us to know, why does Paul say that? Paul wants them to know, and he wants us to know this. Why is it important that it's the God's work in us, that sanctification, that that is what it is. It's God working in us. I believe it's because Paul wants them to know that God is more concerned and he is more committed to their sanctification than they will ever be. That God is in it for the long haul to the end, and... He wants them to know that God is more concerned and He is more committed to their sanctification than they will ever be. In fact, how is this an encouragement? How is this helpful? In fact, I think we should. We should gain great confidence and assurance even in standing up against all forms of evil is because we are easily can feel defeated. We can feel discouraged in this process of sanctification. And the truth is, no matter how committed we might feel or how defeated we might feel, God is more concerned and He will never let one of His own go. He'll never tire. He'll never falter. He will never fail in pursuing our growth in grace to a greater Christ-likeness. For those that are truly His, He will never let up. He will never give up because He is more concerned Because it's His work in us. And I need you to know my heart is heavy this morning. Because I had to read this week of another, I've never met him, another prominent member in the Christian church. He's a well-established author. You have probably read many of his books. Uh, He's preached on many of the circuits. I've heard him several times in person. Gifted communicator. Um... 
came out this week, says he's divorcing his wife, recanting everything that he wrote, and he's now denouncing that he's even a Christian. Man, my heart breaks for his wife, for his children, for the church that he led for so many years, for those that sat under his teaching that read his book. And listen, that no one is beneath that. No one is ever beneath that. I mentioned this morning that there was a miracle that happened this morning. And this is a, a miracle that we should stand in awe of each and every day. If you woke up this morning a believer, that was a miracle. And we should stand in awe of that each and every morning that I take a breath and get out of bed that I'm still a Christian. Because if it was up to me, I could never sustain myself. And so reading about this man, man, my heart breaks. And at the same time, it drives me to my knees to say, Lord, keep me. And so he wants them to know that we could never keep ourselves, that part of this, that sanctification is God's work in us, and that should bring us encouragement, knowing he is more committed to my sanctification than I will ever be. And then he gives encouragement number two. And it's all in the title that he gives God, the one that is working in us for that. He says, may the God of peace meaning the one working in us will bring total satisfaction because Paul picks this word for a certain reason. And the word peace often means the absence of like hostility or strife. Two countries, maybe they're warring and there's a time of peace. that They're no longer at war with each other. And Paul uses this word to convey that. He wants us to know that the God that we serve, the God that we will one day meet, we have total peace with him even now, that we no longer have to fear him. He's not some ill-tempered parent that's going to lose his cool when his children disobey. So it's a God of peace that is sanctifying us. The relationship that those that have been justified have with him. But there's another meaning that this word has, and it goes back to the Old Testament, and it's the word shalom. People in the Middle East, especially Israel, they'll use this as a greeting. Or when they're leaving, they'll say, shalom, or peace be with you. And the word means total satisfaction. In fact, believers have a new relationship with God. This is something that we all get to look forward to. And it's a process that is beginning now. Because why is this important? It's because Satan loves to use this trick on every single person. In fact, it's the oldest lie in the world. And you see it with Adam and Eve as God has promised them total satisfaction, total happiness and fulfillment in obedience. Satan comes along and he convinces them that complete satisfaction, shalom or peace is really only possible through disobedience. And they bought into the lie. And so the truth is, the Thessalonians and us today, we are made to only be satisfied in God. Anything less than that, it will always fall short. And God, He's such a good God. He gives us so many things to enjoy and to bring us happiness. But what happens is, we easily look in those things for total satisfaction. And I believe that's what happened to that young man. I believe he felt like he was doing all the right things. 
Man, he was looked at as a leader, as a gifted communicator and writer. Man, he was finding prestige and honor and all these things. And I believe for a time, it brought him great satisfaction and fulfillment. But there comes a day where that is no longer enough. And instead of looking to the God that he had been, seemed like serving and leading, he looks at the system that he's been following. He's been doing all these things and instead of his approach being wrong, he takes him and says, well, this must all be wrong. I'm going to deny that. And I'm going to go find true satisfaction and fulfillment in something else. The truth is, only God, the God of peace that is sanctifying you, he uses that to show that the sanctification process is through the one and the only one that can bring complete satisfaction. Shalom. Well, then he uses a third encouragement. The sanctification process is often this road, at least in my life, of so many ups and downs. Man, there'll be seasons it seems like I'm really walking in step with Christ. And man, then there are times just around the corner it seems like where it seems like it's just the opposite. I find myself discouraged and, and let down and oftentimes in despair. But he goes on to say it in two opposite ways of what we often feel. He says, sanctify them, and he uses the word completely. Total circle fulfillment. And then he goes on to say, whole spirit and soul and body. The complete encompassing to keep them blameless. In fact, Paul is wanting to show how complete this work of God of sanctification is going to be. That God begins the process at our justification and one day it will come to complete fulfillment without doubt. And so this week, a friend of mine is actually sitting here this morning, sent me a word of encouragement. He's, I think he saw me do something or said something and man, he sent me a text just to encourage me and Man, it, it meant the world to me. I said, man, I saw this. I just wanted to know this about you. Man, I took that. And I, man, I was humbled by that. But I'm sitting in my office, and my next thought was this. Man, if he only knew how harsh I was to my family last week. If he only knew the envy that I've been struggling with. If he only knew the discontentment that I'm wrestling with even today. He would never say those things about me. And I think we can all do that from time to time. But Paul is saying, take heart, Christian, that there is coming a day when you will never feel like that again because God will bring us all the way home in a complete Christ-likeness. And so the command, the command was to abstain from every form of evil. But he wants them to know all along the way that sanctification is not just up to you, that it's the work of God, the God of peace that is in you. That he is working in us to bring total satisfaction. And there is no doubt in Paul's mind that that will happen. And so if you're a believer, if you've repented and experienced that conversion and the justification that we talked about a few weeks ago, those are three truths that I hope you will take and you will hold on to 
and to fight against those times of discouragement and despair and hopelessness. But you have not yet experienced that freedom and joy that comes only in knowing who God is and what He has done. Man, today could be your day of salvation where all you do is reach out an empty hand in faith and repentance and ask God to save you. And the promise is God will hear you and He will save you. Because on the last day when we will meet Jesus face to face, there will never be anyone that will be there that will say, man, I wanted to be forgiven, but God wouldn't. There will only be those that are there that never asked. And each week we hope and pray that there is someone that today is their day of salvation. But every moment after that, every day that we wake up, we should stand in awe that today I'm still a Christian. That each and every day He is sustaining us along the way in a process of sanctification, of turning us into be more like His Son. And the promise is that one day when we see Him face to face, we will be like Him. So know today that sanctification is God's work in us. The one working in us, He will bring total shalom. And there is no doubt in our sanctification. So sanctification, the truth is, it has began for every single person in here that is in Christ. But it will not be complete until we see Jesus face to face. And along the way, there will be many ups and downs, times, great times of walking in step with Christ. But then there will also be those moments where we seem to go our own way. Because walking this Christian life, it's never easy. It's never easy to feel the way that we think we should feel and respond the way we think we should respond and to live up to the standards that we have. The truth is we have to know and believe it's the one that is working in us. So one day, no, this battle will finally be over. But that day has not yet arrived. So remember, the key to sanctification, it's the direction you are heading in. It's not the distance you've traveled because we can often take great pride in that. And it's not the place you have reached. And we need to remember that all of us, it's all about the direction we are heading. So thank goodness I can hopefully finally learn it's like in traveling. It's not about that destination. It's all about the journey. And the key is what direction I'm heading in. So I leave you this question this morning is what direction are you heading in? And if you know it's the wrong one, that you would turn to him this morning. Let's pray. Father, I come before you and Lord, my heart is heavy. Thinking of this young teacher, writer, once pastor, my heart goes out to his wife and his children, those that have set under his teaching and how much confusion this must bring to people. And Lord, the truth is, I know that the, and that is not beneath me. But Lord, the only thing that keeps me where I am and, and heading towards running the race that Paul talks about to obtaining the prize, it, it's only because of your grace and mercy in my life. That each and every day that I wake up, that I'm still a believer.
Lord, thank you for keeping me this far. And would you continue to do that? Would you hold me tightly when I want to let go and I want to give up, that I can know and trust that you will never let go, that you are holding. And Lord, for all of us, knowing I pray that we wake up each and every morning with a greater awe that we are still believers. And that you would bring that encouragement when we need it, when we try to walk this road. And when those moments where we're walking in step and step with Christ, that we could rejoice in knowing it is your work in us. For that moments when we stumble, that you would complete and restore us. So help us to rest in these promises this morning. Help us to stand up against and to resist sin in all forms of evil and disobedience. Knowing that you have accepted us not because of our righteousness and trying hard, but because you've accepted us in your Son, Jesus Christ, and His righteousness. Would you also continue to call those that have not yet experienced the freedom and joy and satisfaction that can only come for you in salvation. And now, Lord, by your grace, help us to strive against all forms of sin and disobedience. We are thankful that our sanctification is your work in us, that you've not left us to our own, and we look forward to that blessed day when we will finally see Jesus face to face and be like him. And in the meantime, Lord, would you help us to be like him more and more? It's in his name that we pray, amen. So church, if you'll stand with me for our benediction, I want to remind us of a couple of things. Don't forget about that fifth year celebration. You can still sign up on the back table or online. In the back to school fair, uh, you can register uh, on the website. And the voting will be open as you dismiss today. So our benediction, I thought long and hard and prayed, and I believe the Lord led me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. And may this truth carry us from this place. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.